Hallelujah. We have lots of movement. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all good. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Well, we just lift up the service to you today. We give you all the praise. We, we thank you, Father, that nothing by any means shall harm us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Healing and health is our portion. And we take authority over every attack of the enemy against our physical bodies for every member in this church. And we just declare health and healing. Those who are watching by the broadcast, receive your healing right now. Just take it. It's yours. For you are redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus was made a curse for you. In Galatians 3.13, it says that you are redeemed from the curse of the law. No weapon formed against a child of God shall prosper. And we speak life to each and every one of our members' bodies. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise you, Father. If you're watching on broadcast, receive the healing power of God in your body. How do I do that? Well, you just say, I believe, I receive the healing power of God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father God. Well, today is rather an exciting day for Faith Life Ministries as a whole, um, not just uh, in Preston, not just in Harrogate, and not just in Manchester. It's Vision Sunday. And Vision Sunday is something that comes around once a year. But we're actually doing something interesting this year. We're extending it. It's not just Vision Sunday. It's a vision month. We're actually going to expand on the vision of Faith Life as a ministry through the whole month. So if you're paying attention to Manchester or what's being preached in Harrogate and what's being preached here, what you, can, what you will hopefully hear, <laughs> we're believing God for clarity, we're believing God for, for the wisdom of God to speak life into this ministry as it propels forward. Something about Faith Life Ministries, and, and I love working with Pastors Joel and Pastors Evie, and of course Benny and Linda, pastors in Harrogate, is we're not a ministry that is standing still. We're not resting on our laurels. We're not going, oh, well, there's three locations now, so therefore we're, we're going to uh, just stop and, and think. We're, no, we're planning ahead. We're looking very much for the next st step in what God's got for us. We're very much looking for any other locations that God wants us to plant. We're looking at strengthening the locations that we have. Hallelujah. God is a good God, and he is a God of increase. He is not a God of the small. He's not a God of the tiny. He's not a God of the, the uh, when the Bible talks about the one, he actually says in Isaiah 60, verse 22, and the one shall become a thousand. The small family shall become multitudes. So God is very much a God of increase. In fact, if you think about uh, the book of Acts chapter 2, in the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost started with 120 people. Without the Holy Ghost, the hundreds of people that followed Jesus were whittled away. They were stripped down and they had small amounts of people and they were all uh, just scattered abroad. But the 120 that stayed in unity, they stayed on fire. They stayed into a, got into a place where the Holy Ghost was able to be poured out on the day of Pentecost so that the Peter and the rest of them were knocked out of the upper room and into the upper room they went out preaching the gospel. And they preached the gospel and suddenly 3,000 people were added. Then 5,000 people were added. The God of, God of increase started this church. This church started, uh, the body of Christ started in increase mindset. It wasn't started in smallness. It wasn't started in tiny. It was started with a, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit that, you know, the Holy Spirit resided on the face of this earth before creation was completed. He was there at the beginning and he'll be there at the end. But he was poured out on the day of Pentecost for you and I to be filled with his very presence. You see, the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that the old covenant allowed the Spirit of God to come on a select few. So the high priest, the priest, the king, 
and the prophet was able to be filled, uh, sorry, not filled, but have the Holy Spirit poured out on top of them. So on top of them, they were able to function and flow in, in, a present, uh, in, in a communication with the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God spoke through them, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon David. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Samuel and Elisha and Elijah, but he wasn't on the inside of them. You and I have the privilege of something new in a new covenant when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead that allowed the Holy Spirit, the creator of heaven and earth, to be poured out and poured into. You and I are filled wall to wall. Holy Ghost, you just look at your hands and you just think, I am wall to wall Holy Ghost. Why do you think Jesus says go out and to lay hands on the sick? Because you're carrying the very power that is needed for the sick to be healed. Now, Christians are not to get to a place where all they require is somebody else to pray for them, someone else to help them, someone else to do something about them. No, Christians, me and you, the believer, have, must learn how to actually give out what we have already got. Now, there will be times, and in, in the book of James talks about the... Uh, of, of, um, the book of James talks about the believers calling for the elders and get their hands laid on them and, and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with Christians that being prayed for. We pray for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We, we pray for people to be uh, refilled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And when people are refilled with the Holy Ghost, they are able to, to walk in, 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 in like a new sense of it. And they, we lay hands on them to do, be, sometimes to have that. But Christians as a whole, you and I, are meant to carry the vision that God's put on the inside of us. And that vision is the Holy Ghost. The vision of and the power in the in the presence of God in, on the inside of them, you are to carry. So you lay hands on the sick, and you lay hands on the needy, and you lay hands. You're carrying something towards it. So very much on Vision Sunday, when we talk about vision for the ministry, we talk about vision for what God's got in store for us as a as a, a group of believers. We're not talking about something vision like if you if you if you know you have a dream and a desire and and uh, and you want to get a new car or you want to get a new house that those are all great things to have and there's nothing wrong with having them but as Christians our vision is carrying us somewhere so that we can expand the kingdom of God our desire is not just to have a house and a car and, a, and socks and nice clothes and stuff like that. Apparently, the average person in the world doesn't drive a Toyota. The average person in the world still drives an ox cart. So to have anyone in the Western world say that they hate the prosperity message with an iPhone in their pocket, plenty of food in their belly, is missing it by miles. Why do I say that? Why am I bringing this in? Because the Church of Jesus Christ mindset and the reality of what we own and what we have in life is so much bigger, so much better that we should be carrying something to this world. I love the scripture verses in, in John chapter 2 that talks about Jesus doing his first miracle. And in fact, his mother Mary forced him to do it and said, Jesus said, it's not even my problem. What, what, what problem do I have because they run out of wine? And I think God's, God's like that. You know, what, what's my problem that you run out of the, you know, alcohol? <laughs> what does it matter? But Jesus said, my time has not even come yet. But his mother 
didn't even talk to him. He just told the servants, just do whatever he tells you to do. And of course, he, he prays for the wine, the water, and the water turns into wine. It's the best wine that they've ever had in their lives and all that kind of stuff. And this miracle has happened. But what, God, what Jesus did, was able to do in this little, little situation and circumstance, was he was able to affect the party, affect the environment, affect everything that he had because of what he carried on the inside of him. He had something on the inside of him that was meant to bless other people. So when he was put into a situation, he always, the, the blessing oozed out of him. Prosperity oozed out of it. You and I have to get to that place where we just ooze him, his presence, the, the, the presence of God, the glory of God, everything else. We're talking this year called the, the scripture verse that we've used is Psalm 24, 7. Lift up your eyes, lift up the gates, lift up, open it up so that the king of glory can come in. And when the king of glory is in your life, there's something that just sets you free. I was very, when we're praying just in the worship and this, this, this kind of story, this, this wedding at Cana came up to me. You know, we're praying for revival. We're praying, we're singing songs about Holy Ghost and fire. We're singing, we're singing songs about, you know, God of revival, come and, and fill us up and overflow us. There's something about Jesus turning this water into wine that was a very practical revelation of how we are to become so filled with what he has for us. Something We sing songs about the new wine of heaven. And if you've been in Christianity long enough, you'll, you've heard people talk about the new wine of heaven. Be you not drunk as... These men are not drunk as you suppose, but they're drunk in the Holy Ghost. There's something about wine in, in the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God coming on and inside of you to fill you up to overflow. We've been saying this scripture verse for the last few weeks in, in Preston, the sound of abundance of rain. When Elijah told Ahab, get up and eat, the famine's over. There's a sound in the air called the abundance of rain. There's, a, there's an abundance that God has for you and I that is so precious, so wonderful, so amazing. We're talking about Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday, vision, open eyes, lifting up our eyes, seeing what God's got in store for each and every one of us. Hallelujah. You see, the vision for that party was not to run out of wine. A party doesn't want to run out of, the host doesn't want to ever run out of stuff to give. Have you ever been into a party and they start running out of food? You start getting a bit nervous for the host, don't you? And Jesus was just minding his own business and his mother just said, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. If you and I are in any situation, that's what we need to hear. Those words need to ring in our mind that says, do whatever he says. Because when you do whatever he says, your life's about to become prosperous. Your life's about to become a little freer. Hallelujah. You and I are the freedom ones. The, the shout of freedom. That's in our heart. Hallelujah. We give you glory. Father God, we worship you. We thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. Hallelujah. Vision. In Mark chapter 4, we're going to talk about vision. I was thinking about vision over the last couple of days and just meditating on it and just, just thinking. Because vision for Preston, you might sit there and think, well, it's obvious what we need in, in church, what, what Preston needs. We need, you know, we, need to, we need to have a building or we need to have more people or we need to have this or that. It's very 
like if you're not careful, you just assume what God wants for us, and we'll just try and set our faith for it, and we just assume what God's. We have to be really careful that you are led of the Spirit of God, not led of what you see in the natural. That's not me saying that we're not believing God for a building or anything. That we are. We are. We're gonna, we have. We have one in place. But what I wanted to talk a little bit about on in in Mark chapter four, verse twenty. No, no, no. Verse thirty-five. Jesus set, uh, you know, if you think about what we're talking about, water into wine, and, Jesus, and Mary said, do whatever. He says, Jesus said something to the disciples. He says, let's cross to the other side of the lake. I don't know if it's a bit more bolder in the King James, but we're going to cross over to the other side of the lake. Jesus set out a command for the disciples to go and do something. Sometimes, as a, as a disciple, you don't always know what the other end of the, the, the instruction is. But their job was to just get across to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although the other boats, although other boats followed. Didn't see that before. Other boats were going with them. But as soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion, and the disciples woken up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? The instruction never said anything about drowning. We need to learn that when Jesus tells you to do something, it usually means that you're going to succeed at it. It never means you're going to drown. It never means you're going to be less off. It never means that the sacrifice is going to outweigh the reward. Hebrews 11, 6 is, is a scripture that I love. You see those that, that you have to believe that he's diligent. He is diligent. You, you become diligent to him. He'll become diligent to you, and he will reward you for your faith in him. He will reward you for as you seek him. As you press into the things of God, he will, you will be rewarded. Hallelujah. So these disciples, they're stressed out. Everything was going wrong in their eyes. And Jesus just woke up. I mean, I know we say this, all, whenever we look at this story, we always say this. We always say, well, how, Jesus was just sleeping. Why, why weren't the disciples sleeping? Well, you know what? If they were all sleeping... That boat would have been bashed off, of course. That they wouldn't know where they, they wouldn't have been able to go anywhere. So someone had to be awake when the, someone had to be steering the boat. It wasn't the fact that Jesus was sleeping that made him better than anyone else. The, the, the fact that he could sleep, he in delegated to his disciples the job to do, so he could go sleep. If he tells you to do something, doesn't mean you go go to bed and sleep and and, and expect to get to the other side of the lake. If God gives you a task, you don't do it because if you're not careful, people will say this, faith is rest. Faith is peace, I would say. It's not rest as in do nothing. Rest is a state of mind, not a state of, of physical still because faith without works is dead. We don't like the word works because it means we have to do something. It means we have to energize our, ourselves. We have to stay focused on the task at hand. And of course, Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith in my translation? Do you still, the amount of stuff that they must have witnessed up until this point and they still can't understand and grasp that the, the son of the living God, who the, he was there at the beginning of time and he was there at creation. He was there, he knew everything that was going on. I mean, I know they didn't understand and they didn't comprehend it, but they'd seen so much, they'd seen Lepers healed and people set free and all this kind of stuff. And they still could not understand that when he says do something, do it. Just get on and do it. Vision is really written down so the runner can run. Vision isn't coming from the runner. 
The runner doesn't come up with the vision. Me and you are to run the race. We don't come up with the vision. We don't make up. If you're trying to follow a recipe, Louise frustrates me completely when she cooks and bakes because she doesn't follow the recipe. She, I, I'm the other opposite. I wanna, if I have a recipe in front of me, I have to have the exact amount of flour, the exact amount of sugar. If, I, if it deviates from that, it stresses me out. I'm getting really frustrated and worried and upset. But if you see, if you follow the instructions and the recipe, 99 times out of 100, you're going to get what the recipe dictates. But if you go goosey, loosey, goosey, like, like my wife likes to do with baking, the results sometimes are a little bit loosey goosey all over the place. Now, if you're a good baker, and, and my wife is, so it's, it's generally she gets it right. But if, if you are an amazing, there's, there's a lady, there's a, she was actually in her 20, early 20s. She worked at the cafe at the church that um, we were at before Faith Life Lakeside in Southport. And she used to weigh things by her hand. In her early 20s, she just knew how much things were. She did not ever use the scale. She just, that's that much, that's that much, and that blows me away. So if, you, if you're at that level, fine. But for me, the level that I'm at, I have to follow the instructions. And the instructions followed correctly will get the correct answer. Me and my Jack made cookies the other night. Desperate to make cookies, so we... Louise was just looked at him and just said no, so I had to step up and be the dad and made Andy's famous chocolate chip cookies. It is actually called Andy's famous hot, hot, in, my, in my notepad. So we made cookies, and they turned out, because we followed the recipe, the, pretty much exactly the way that every time I cook cookies turns out. If we could follow the instructions of Jesus like that, the results... But that, as the disciples just threw all that away and they just did not tap into the fact that he said, go to the other side, and then the disciples were actually astonished by the fact that he closed down the storm and the clouds. They were astonished. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves are by him. But what I like about this story, uh, what, what I like about what has happened in this, these events, that let's cross to the other side of the lake wasn't said to demonstrate his power over storms. It wasn't, he didn't say an instruction just so that he could prove him, his manhood. You know, he could have just said, well, okay, well, let's just go out to the other side. There's going to be a storm coming in a bit. If you guys stay awake, I'm going to show you how cool I am. He didn't do that, and he didn't walk on water to do the same thing. He walked on water because he had to get to the other side of the lake. He'd already sent his disciples across the other side of the lake. They were already on a mission. He was just catching up. He wasn't trying to prove anything. Jesus was never trying to prove anything. Because if he was, he could have just told Lucifer, when Lucifer said, throw yourself off this cliff and the angels will come and save you, he could have just proven he was the son of God in the temptations, but he knew that he could not do that because he knew where he was going. He had something on the inside of him that he knew where he was going. Jesus sent them over to the other side because of Mark chapter 5. They went on assignment. And what Jesus always says this, he said, he says, I only ever do and say what I hear the Father say to me and what I see the Father show me to do, didn't he? His vision was downloaded from Heavenly Father. His vision and idea of operating in this world and in these circumstances in life was dealt with because he understood the relationship that he had with the Father, that the vision giver was going to give the runner, him, something to do. Habakkuk says, write the vision down and make it clear so the runner may run with it. The runner doesn't decide with the vision. The disciples didn't decide to cross the lake for any reason. They were just following instructions. You and I are meant to follow instructions. And I, I would probably question or probably challenge most Christians that are going through storms 
did you follow the instructions? Storms will come, don't get me wrong. You know, the, the devil will try and blindside you or whatever like that. But many Christians are going through cycles and cycles and cycles of things. Praying, I'm going through a storm right now, pray for me. I'm going through a storm, pray for me. I'm going through a storm, pray for me. But did you ever find out what the instructions were for your life so that you could run with the vision that God had for your life? Or are you trying to write the vision yourself? I know we quote scripture verses that he gives us the desires of our heart, but something that I learned a long time ago in, in, uh, when I went to youth with a mission, someone said, actually, well, people say God gives you the desires of your heart. As in, like, your heart figures out a desire, and then God goes, oh, you've got a desire, so I'm going to give that to you. But you could also turn that around the other side and say, God plants the desires that you have in your heart in the first place there. Why does, why does the book of John, First John, talk about if you pray according to his will, he hears you? Because when you're praying according to his will, you're praying according to his word, and then your desires are lining up with the word, so therefore he hears what you pray. So if you're not getting answered prayers, there might be something out of line. Because the Bible says you should have answered prayers every single time. Hallelujah. Why did Jesus send them across the lake? Because he knew on the inside of him that somebody on the other side of that lake needed to be set free. I don't believe, I mean, you can argue this, you can split hairs over this, whether Jesus knew exactly why he was going across the lake beforehand. But he knew for whatever reason that God had told him, or the vision on the inside of him took him to say to the disciples, we're going across the lake. And of course, he reached the other side of the lake, and when Jesus climbed over the boat, a man possessed with an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. He knew he had a purpose and a point. He had vision. So quite often, the vision will come before the instruction. And when the instruction comes, that's when you start moving towards what the vision has been placed on your heart. Vision is great and wonderful, and we can get hunk-and-dory about it. We can write our own. You know, Brother Hagen has a book that says, or a sermon that says, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. There are, there's a certain element of authority that you have in life to go after what you believe for. Go after what the word says. Go after what's on the inside of your heart. But when we're talking about vision, we're talking about vision. If you talk about vision, we're talking about vision, by the way. When you're talking about vision, you've got something on the horizon of time that is far, it's out of reach. So you've got, you've got to see it beyond where you're at and follow the instructions to get to where you're going. Faith Life Preston is following instructions right now. We're listening for the voice of God. We're, 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 God's been speaking to us what to pray, what to declare, what to, to, to hook up with, hasn't he? There's been continuing repeats of what the word, what the Spirit of God has been saying to us. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the other locations. Uh, pray for, for Preston and the, the churches of Preston. Pray. Pray for other people. Because God's got something on, on the inside of us that needs to be pulled out of, and we're, it's only going to be pulled out of us when we obey and follow the instructions that he's given us. I don't want to labor a point, but my point is, listen to what he says and do it. That's what Mother Mary said to Jesus. Listen, sorry, to the servants. He said, she said, do what he says, do. Jesus saw beyond the storm that he knew, full, I believe he fully knew, that was going to come up because he knew that every time he tried, went to go do something that God wanted him to do, the demonic stirrings would happen. Storms would come or people would, religious leaders would rise up and try and persecute him, try and throw stones at him. And he, he, he one time he walked through a group of, of, of religious people trying to kill him. He knew that when he was on mission, something was going to happen. But he saw beyond the storm that was in front of him to see the deliverance of a single man. 
Why am I? There's a reason I'm laboring this. Because what I don't want to do is present a vision for this church, a vision for your life. I don't want to present this one glorious thing that, that we're, we're believing God for without you realizing that when we're believing for it, one, the storms could come to try and shift us off path, but two, there must be a result at the end of this. We're not believing God for a building to have the perfect heating. And I think we can all agree that we want the perfect heating established in this building. I've been to too many churches that own their building and it's, hug a radiator in the, in the middle of the winter because everyone's frozen. I don't want a building that's too hot in the summer. I want it perfect. We want, this is the, we're going to start labeling these things. You know, when, when God says believe something, believe, believe accurately, go after individual things. So we're already believing. I believe all of us are in agreement that we want the heating to be consistent throughout the whole year. I'm not hearing many amens on that one. <laughs> but we're not believing God for a building with perfect heating just to sit around and, and hug each other, though hugging is great, though great cups of tea and cookies and biscuits and, and crisps are amazing, it's wonderful, but we want to have a building so that we can fill it with people that are hungry for God. We want to fill it with people who don't know God that become to know him. Our vision is to see the deliverance of people and the, the deliverance of mankind. The vision that we have for this church is whether we have a building or not, whether we have a place that we call our own or not, that we are going to see people set free from the devil and his evil clutches. That's the vision of Faith Life Preston. We will see us own a building. We see, will see us own land. We will see m multiple people come and technology and screens and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, what are we seeing happen when all of that stuff comes? Are we just seeing a big empty building, thousand seats and 20 people in it? No, of course not. Our vision is to see something amazing and wonderful. If you go to the book of Genesis, I want to look at the scripture verses that, that really speak vision to our father Abraham. Our father Abraham, and he's known as Father Abraham for our, for our faith. He's the father of our faith. He demonstrated faith, didn't he? He, he, he was such a, a, a kind of like an example for us. It was accounted unto him righteousness. He, 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 he was able to, to demonstrate that sacrificing his only son, that mankind was willing to sacrifice his son, believing that God would either raise him up or provide a way out. He, he became that example so that God knew that mankind could sacrifice Jesus and there could be many sons unto glory through what Jesus did. He was our father of our, of our faith. But if you look at chapter 15 in Genesis, it says, Sometime later the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham. For I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. See, Jesus said, oh sorry, God spoke and said, Do not be afraid, I will protect you, and your reward will, grow, will be great. He's saying to Abraham, I've got you. Your reward's going to be amazing. But Abraham didn't care about a reward. He was already rich. God had already made him rich. God had already looked after him. God had, he'd already heard the instruction, go out into the, away from your family, go out into the land and look around. But he didn't have a son. 
He didn't, his vision that God, the God, Abraham's vision or the understanding of the relationship that he had with God was, yeah, okay, you, you've got me. That's great. It's wonderful that you love me. I, I'm glad you love me, but I want a son. And God didn't say, sit around and say, oh, well, you can't have one. He knew, God knew that he had to show Abraham what he actually had in store for him. So then he said in verse 4, the Lord said, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Look up into the sky and count the stars. God took something that Abraham was struggling with and told him to look up. Look up, O ye gates. Lift up your eyes and see so that the king of glory can come in. God knew that Abraham was not going to see his inheritance come to pass without having an understanding of how big it could become. God showed him the stars to say, here's the vision. Here's, I know you want one son. You want one heir. But what I see in that heir is so much bigger than anything else that you can conceive. You know, when, when you're a parent, you want children and you want somebody to pass on your legacy to. But God did something so much more. He gave Abraham even more than what he wanted. He gave him an inheritance that was beyond the numbers of the stars. He showed him the sand on the, on the seashore and said, if you can count them, that will be the number of, of your inheritance, the number of your descendants. Abraham took his eyesight and lifted his eyes up and suddenly began to see everything that God was planning for him. If we lift up our eyes as a church and look where Jesus is calling us, where God's taking us and all that kind of wonderful Holy Ghost kind of things that we, we, we believe, we receive, that we step into when we worship him, if we can look up, we will begin to see what God has in store. And I, this isn't about a church. This isn't about faith life person. Vision isn't just about what I see. Vision is about what each and every individual one of you sees for your own life. God wants to raise you up and let you have an eyesight that goes above and see, like Einstein said, I sat up in the heaven and looked down at earth and saw how God would think. And that's how he answered the great mathematical problems that he solved. He began to think, like, how would God do this? You and I can think with the mind of Christ, how does God do this? The vision that he's put on the inside of me, the instruction that he's given me, how can I do it? I'm going to think like him, and I'm going to walk like him. I'm going to be an imitator of him. The vision that we have, Faith Life Preston, is for an abundance of rain to be poured out, revival, people, souls, salvations, miracles. That isn't bricks and mortar, is it? We could have a tent. We, did, we could do what Holly did before Christmas and just sing on the streets. Faith life breaks it down to this, gather, grow, go. We gather together, we grow in the things of God, and then we go out and get every person that we can. I'm believing for strategies. My vision for this year would be to have strategies to reach the lost. And as the weather improves, I'm believing for, for opportunities to, to implement that. Because a building... When we get it, and when we, we walk in it, we, we ordain it, and we, we cut the ribbon, if you like, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be wonderful. We'll have somewhere to focus our attention. We'll have all that kind of stuff. But if we don't do the rest of the stuff, we're just moving what we are now into another location. What I love about what God did, though, he didn't just show him this, these stars. And this is key to me. 
Abraham believed the Lord, it says in verse 6, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. In verse 7, the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. See, he also told you, it told him in chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, leave your native country. Go to the land that I will show you in, in chapter 13, 15, and 17. It says, I'm giving you all this land as far as you could see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I'll give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. So he's already starting to show him bits and pieces from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 13 to when we get to Genesis chapter 15 where he shows him the sky. And the stars, he's sowing into him continually all the time. He's trying to show him, show him, and show him, and show him how grand God will do that in your life. If you grow up over a period of time, maybe when you were a teenager, you had a dream and, and a vision of what God wanted to do in your life, and he will continue to show it. It may not have come to pass yet, but he'll continue to show it. I used to remember, and dare I say this out loud, but I will, I used to go to nightclubs when I was 18, 19, and 20. I was a Christian. I was born again. I didn't go crazy. But I would go out and I'd be miserable, not because I, I, I didn't have, see friends or anything like that, but I just saw the lost. I saw people dying and going to hell. And if, I, if I'm not careful and if I'm a little bit feeling a bit sensitive, if I go have a pub meal with my wife and my kids. I'll just, if I start looking at people, I just see people going to hell. I was in the swimming pool yesterday with, with, with Jack and Jack was messing around and I was just looking around and thinking, God, how do we reach these people? Because I bet you tomorrow they're not in church. I bet you tomorrow they don't even think about you. I bet you tomorrow that they're just, they, it, 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 church is so far removed from their thinking. How do we reach them, God? How, how? Show us how. I know we have to talk to them. I know we have to pray for them. I know we have to do all these things. But my, my heartbeat, my, 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 on the inside of me just cries for these people. That's why I feel like it's such a privilege. Sometimes I, I sit there and I think, God, I love being in the house because we're actually meeting people who don't know Jesus every single week. And we're shining a light, just a small light maybe. It was such a testimony to me that um, Elson was talking to some of the workers a couple of weeks back. And a couple of the workers, I don't know if any of you saw, but the couple of them they were just sat out there outside those two doors just listening to the worship. And Elson was telling me later that one of them came, said, wow, we had goosebumps. Sowing seed, aren't we? So we think, oh, well, building is going to solve our problems. Maybe some things will be solved. But if we're not careful, we become insular and forget about the world. We're building an ark. We're not building an ark yet. You know what the ark is? Is me and you. We're the ark. We have to get as many people to join the same boat that we're on and get out of here at the same time. Revival, and we, we talk about revival. We talk about the Holy Ghost flow and the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We watch videos of ministers praying for people and people falling over and laughing and jumping up and down and joyful. That's all great, and that's all products of what God's going to do in this earth in this last days. People will get healed, and, but if people don't get saved, we're playing games. I refuse to play games in church, and I want to. I, I don't know how. I, God's maybe while I'm just as I'm talking this, I'm sitting there going, "God, convict me, shift me, move me. I want my heart to see the lost even more." But what I love about what God did with Abraham, Abraham replied in verse eight, "O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually?" Possess it. The Lord told him, Bring me a three year old heifer, a three year old female goat, and a three year old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abraham presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the house side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. 
And as the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land. He's prophesying here, telling him some stuff. They will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, the, my people will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. And after the sun went down and darkness fell, Abraham saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. God sealed the vision that he placed in Abraham's heart with blood. A blood covenant. He established for... I mean, if you if you had been in that position, seeing blood everywhere, and 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 and, and somebody walking through it, a flaming fire walking through it, that would have done something to you. Something happened in Abraham when he saw this, and of course, it's, it, it, the story goes on, and of course, Abraham had his name changed, and God started calling him that that you know, father of many nations. But in order to get to the place for Abram to speak it to pass, God did something on the inside of him and showed him the vision, showed him the stars, showed him the sand, and then he sealed it all in blood. You know, Jesus and the new covenant, Jesus had, what, what was the vision it says he had when he went on that cross? It was, he saw many sons unto glory. Jesus died on that cross for you and I, and he saw many sons of glory. He looked up in the, on that cross and knew that he was dying for many sons of glory. And of course, God saw, had placed that vision on the inside of him, and he sealed that vision with blood. It was another blood covenant. Now, that blood covenant never has to be done again. Jesus in him, it's eternal. He's never going to take it away. He's never going to shift it or change the rules. But that blood covenant has been established so that Jesus sat on the right hand of the Heavenly Father could still see many sons unto glory. You and I, I'm one 150 million billion in that, in that run of people who've been saved throughout the years. Abraham may have cried out for an heir, but he saw the vision that God had, that it wasn't just one person that he was going to have. He was going to have many. And Jesus cried out before the Father, not my will be done, but your will be done, because the will of the Father was the vision that was come settled in the foundation of time. Before a mankind even had sinned, there was a plan in place, a vision in place. You see, the vision creator, the vision maker, the vision giver is the heavenly Father. He's the orchestrator. He's the conductor. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in your life. He wants to give you something that you can hold on to, some hope, some dreams. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Your trust in him, your belief in him will cling on to what he has declared in your life. The vision that he wants to see operate in your lives and in my lives is on the inside of you, impacted, and you just now need to do what he says to do and keep doing it and don't stop don't quit don't get weary don't give up because that's what he wants you to do he wants you to keep going because he's made a way where there seems to be no other way abraham took that he saw that covenant take place before him he had his name changed and he saw his son get birth and the very next thing God said to him was go sacrifice the vision that I've given you because God could not have anything in the way of the relationship between him and Abraham the son the the vision the birth of Isaac could not replace the relationship. If it did, it would have thrown it all off kilter. You and I, God will give us a vision. This is why I'm saying this. The vision could be massive. The vision could be a big building, 20,000-seater building. But when you get that, vision, that building, are you going to turn around and say, right, well, we've done this? What did he say to the children of Israel? 
Don't forget me when I make you rich. Don't forget me when I do what I said I would do for you. Don't forget me. Because the covenant, the blood covenant, the covenant that God put on the, the, the power for them to get wealth, it was to establish the covenant, the blood-bought covenant on earth, wasn't it? In Deuteronomy, it talks about. Jesus died on the cross so you and I could establish the covenant. Keep it going, keep it working, keep it moving, keep it declared, keep speaking it. The prosperity, the, the healing, the health. Sunday mornings is, is a, a time to gather together and renew our minds and renew our thinking and to get fired up and, and to get pressing in. Because the covenant that he's established through Jesus, the, this blood covenant opens up everything for us, opens up every vision, every desire, everything that you possibly could need in your time of life. You and I have got an important job to do. The things that God has got for us in Faith Life Preston. The things that God's got for you. see, I believe that Robert and Holly, you've got a call in your life. Some of that hasn't been revealed yet. But finances, money flowing through your hands as you're committed to what you're doing. God wants to expand that and grow that. I believe that. I, I, every time I pray for you guys, I just see that anointing on you. Just that says more for you guys to operate in. And I believe that for every single member of this church, there's so much more that God has. I just lift up Frankie Nelson right now in the name of Jesus. I lift up Menashe and Kyla in the name of Jesus. I just thank you, Father God, for their family. I thank you, Father God, for the vision and the, the calling that you've placed on their lives. We stand with them in the name of Jesus. We stand in the name of Jesus. We stand, we plead the blood of Jesus over that family. And we hook our faith up with you. We hook our faith up together and we say, Satan, you take your hands off that child right now in Jesus' name. We break it. Nothing, no weapon, no weapon formed against us shall prosper in this, family, in this church. This family is protected. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you glory. Hallelujah. This is a mighty moving army. The souls, two or three gathered together. You're in the midst. You're here. The Holy Ghost is here moving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Great power is released. The effective prayer of the righteous man it's effective it's availing much with much power and we release our power our faith in, in you in the name in the name the name of jesus hallelujah praise you father god hallelujah god. veronica if you can just go get louise and the kids we're going to have communion in a minute if you're watching online, if you've got your stuff. I'm not going to keep laboring this because I believe we need to move on because I believe there's some... There's... The very foundations of this church are founded on the things of the Spirit and on the things of the Word. It will not be shaken. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. We're not backing down. We're not going backwards. We're moving forward. We're going to receive communion as a fellowship in a minute when the kids come in. And I'm doing this on purpose because we're declaring that the vision of this church will come to pass. We're declaring health and healing on this, this, this group of people, this family. We're declaring protection in the name of Jesus. The blood covenant established. Praise you, Father God. 
Hallelujah. So uh, if you haven't got communion elements, if you can just, Veronica, stick your hands up and Veronica can sort it out. I think you've all been given them. And we want the kids to come in. They might come in now a bit noisy and loud, but hallelujah. Can you get me one, Veronica? I don't know where mine's gone. Hallelujah. You can have it. Thank you, Father God. And if you're if you're watching on the broadcast, it's a little bit different today. But I want the children to be a part of this. I want us to release our faith for our building. I want us to release our faith for the vision. But I also want to keep that unity in, in place for our family. Hallelujah. Maybe I should have given a bit more warning for the kids to come through, but can we? Um, I'm going to just praise you, Father. If everyone's got communion elements, that would be great. Hallelujah. I think your dad's got some money at the back for you. Praise you. You see, when, when Jesus broke the the bread... I believe he was seeing, he was, he was using these elements to really see on the inside of him what was going to happen spiritually. He, he knew what God had called him to do. He, he was the savior of all mankind. He was going to the cross to die. And he said when this bread, his body was broken, he, he, he was referring this bread to this body to, to say, you know, my body is going to get broken. So you remember this bread. When you break this bread, remember the fact that my body was broken for you so you could be healed, so you could be set free, so you could have freedom, so that I could take on me the, po the, the poverty, the lack, everything. He took it all for us on this. So when we're believing God for buildings, when we're believing God for all the things that we need as a church, as a vision, anything that we've got, that we're believing for, it all comes down to the fact that he went to the cross and paid the price for us. We don't pay a price for anything. He's done it all for us. The building that we have is already paid for. The money is already available. The location is available. Frankie and Elson, Menashe, Kyla, healed by the, by the stripes of Jesus, protected because of what Jesus did on that cross. And as a family, Kevin and Jenny healed. Anyone watching on the broadcast, you can just take this bread and break it and say, I remember what he did for me. So as we do that, just receive your healing in the name of Jesus. And of course, of course, to me, the blood... Yes, it's good to be healed, have your body healed, but to have no condemnation, to have no fear of entering into his presence because of sin being wiped out. That's what his blood did. His blood paid the price, put on that heavenly altar seat and that throne wherever, where I don't understand how he did it, what he did it. But God looks at that blood and says every mankind, every human being on the face of this earth is forgiven if they would receive it. And we receive that again today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God, for what you did on that cross. Every sin forgiven. In Jesus' name. Can we all just... Man, I don't know how we could do this. Maybe I'll hold hands or something. I don't like doing this kind of thing, really. It's not really in my nature to kind of go Christianese. 
But I want us in, as a church to maybe Holly and the girls maybe come on this side, Robert, Shabani, just let's come together. I want us to, to pray and agree for this building. That's why I wanted the kids in. I don't know where Jack's gone. It's okay. But I'm going to say goodbye to the broadcast. We've got some things we need to do in the room for our, our church service. And I, I, I know it's been completely all over the place a little bit today, but it's all good. Hallelujah. I believe God's spoken to us and what we needed to hear. But um, what we're going to say goodbye. Next week, we'll be, we'll be here next week. Um, we'd love to see you. We've got a prayer meeting tonight online. You can find the details on the website. And, of course, we've got Tuesday night prayer. I'll just go to the website, and you'll find all that, that stuff. But if you can just press off. <laughs>